objective observer will conclude that based on her ideas and her leadership, Hillary Clinton must become the next president of the United States. That was Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders yesterday at the Democratic National Convention making his best pitch to his followers to date, asking them to accept reality and support Hillary Clinton for president in November. He says she's the one that's going to appoint Supreme Court justices willing to overturn Citizens United hold Wall Street accountable and implement his plan for affordable college tuition. And Sanders supporters got at least one other big win yesterday. The Democratic National Convention's Rules Committee voted to overhaul the party's superdelegate system in future election cycles. Most of these superdelegates would no longer be allowed to vote for whomever they choose. They would have to go along with the will of voters in their state. How far could these things go toward uniting Democrats after a hard-fought primary cycle? And what difference will this make going forward in Democratic politics? Joining me now to talk about that is Maine State Representative Diane Russell, one of the people who has been pushing the hardest for this change to the rules around superdelegates. Representative Russell, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning, and thanks for having me back again. It's yeah. always great to be on your show. Absolutely. Uh, and also, uh, if you are just thinking about the Democratic National Convention, thinking about the speeches we heard last night, Bernie Sanders, who we just heard in that clip, making a, a really impassioned uh, case for Hillary Clinton, Michelle Obama giving uh, a speech for the ages, as some people are calling it, uh, on the first night of the Democratic Convention. Uh, give us a call. Uh, talk about what you're hearing, what it means to you, whether it's changing your mind, helping you make your choice. 313-577-1019 is the number. Uh, Representative Russell, let's talk about this victory of yours uh, yesterday. Uh, Superdelegates going to look different in the future. Does that, in your mind, uh, mend some of the fences that got broken during the the, the primary and caucus season where the the issue of superdelegates really was one of the the, the defining uh, divisive points between uh, supporters of uh, Senator Sanders and, and Hillary Clinton? Absolutely. It was definitely one of the core frustrations that I heard over and again. It's one of the reasons I introduced it. Uh, We were one of the states in Maine where uh, the voters overwhelmingly voted uh, for Bernie Sanders, and then the superdelegates had been uh, had pledged early in support of uh, Secretary Clinton. Uh, and so, if you you know, I think people assume that when they do all this work to get people out to the polls, and then you stand in line. We had caucuses actually, and people stood in line for five or six hours in my city of Portland, Maine, uh, and to cast their ballot because they wanted to make a difference. And when you walk away with 64 percent of the vote, and your delegate count is roughly equal to your opponent, uh, it's remarkably frustrating. We saw something similar in Washington State. Sorry if you can hear the music in the background. They're all uh, getting set up at the convention right now, and they're all rehearsing. Um, So I think, you know, the superdelegate issue was an issue of fairness and an issue that uh, of making sure that the voters had uh, an opportunity to weigh in before the elite and uh, to make sure that the party leadership did not actually trump the will of the voters. So being in a position to uh, address that issue, it's always been about uh, ensuring that people have uh, confidence in their vote and it's also been, you know, strategically, I understood that if we were ever going to get to a unity place, we were going to have to address this issue. You know, you may uh, be all in on Bernie like I am, 
and just love the message that he's bringing and be super disappointed that we came up short. Right. Um, but we also understand that, you know, as Democrats, that putting Donald Trump into the White House is just is, is not a good idea. Um, I have Paula Page in my state, and I pretty much live under a Donald Trump presidency. I don't have uh, a Donald Trump governorship. I don't want to wish that on the rest of the country. Yeah. Um, so if you're in that space, you need to find that middle ground. And I think this is the, the, the structural change that people can get behind and say, okay, I may not be excited about voting this way, but we got this and we've changed it for the future. I can do that. Right. Uh, let's go to uh, Mina in uh, Ypsilanti. Mina, welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, that would be Myrna. Oh, I'm sorry, Myrna. That's okay. <laughs> go ahead. Close enough. Okay. Um, okay, well, I watched it from 8 o'clock on till it was over. Then I watched some of the um, analysis of it. And um, then I gave up and went to bed. But the two um, speeches that stood out for me are the same ones that you mentioned earlier in the program. Uh That would be Michelle Obama and Bernie Sanders. And what I noticed about, because I'm a Bernie supporter, and I was so angry at the Democratic Party for what they did, especially when these emails came out, that I was going to write in Bernie's name on the ballot but I'm not going to do that now because uh, I don't want Trump in the White House. Yeah. But um, what I notice about Bernie's speech is he got all this love pouring out for him from his um, supporters, the delegates. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it was really something when he got up there to speak, how long it took him to get people just to, to settle down. They were so excited about uh, seeing him and looking forward to hearing what he had to say. I, I saw lots of cutaways during the speech uh, to, to delegates in the in the hall, people crying uh, exactly. uh, while, they, while, while he was talking. I mean, that's a really powerful moment, I think, during the, during the convention. Yeah, you can see that he was moved as well. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, Myrna, thank you very much uh, for that call. Uh, Representative Russell, talk about that that fervor that uh, Bernie Sanders uh, inspires. I mean, it, it really is very different than what we see for other candidates. It reminds me, though, a little bit of what we saw in 2008 with folks who were that excited about Barack Obama. Do you worry that 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 the fact that Hillary Clinton doesn't seem to inspire that same kind of emotion is one of the things that's that's hurting her right now in the polls? Well, there's no question that Bernie Sanders really has not only the uh, message, but the ability to uh, communicate that message in a way that people understand. Who would have thought that you could have um, a guy up there with crazy white hair pointing his finger uh, like a professor <laughs> and, and telling you what, what's going on and, and to have people eat that up? And what it came down to is that he was telling the truth. Um, and that's something that's so uh, antithetical to politics. Like, you can't speak the truth. God forbid you should tell people, uh, tell the American public what's really happening. You know, the American public is a pretty smart group of people. We've, we have a good public education system. It could use some improvements. But we are a smart uh, set of people, and, uh, and they understood that what he was saying was the actual truth. Uh, and that, more than anything, is what I think is driving the fervor behind him. I saw it on stage, you know, uh, just yesterday when I said the name Bernie Sanders. I had to wait a good 30 seconds to, for the crowd to, to, to stem down. Um, and then when I said political revolution, the same thing. Right. So there's definitely a level of fervor there that I have never seen in my life. Yeah. Uh, let's go to uh, Peter in Detroit. Peter, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey there. Hey. All right. Again, 
I wasn't going to call until your first call is called. <laughs> they get you worked up this week, Peter. Well, you know, I tell you, we need some reality. Reality. Bernie Sanders had a great message, and and the people who were following him, there's, you know, it's great to be inspired by a political leader. But if all it takes to get you to move is someone who's an inspiring speaker. History is littered with the worst possible things that can happen behind people who just follow somebody because they were a good speaker. That's the last thing we need. Now, Bernie Sanders and his people won a lot, but because all these millennials got a trophy for everything they did and they got awards for just showing up, <laughs> they don't know what real winning is. Oh, man, Peter, that's awfully harsh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is harsh, but they, they got the most progressive party platform in a generation and they still think they lost because they didn't get 100 percent of what they want that's the problem that 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 there you get somebody who says he's 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 uh, uh, uh in our generation who's been voting democratic his entire life who's willing to vote for donald trump yeah come on yeah. donald trump it stands against everything I'm, that you're supposed to stand for, but because you didn't get 100% of what you want, you're going to turn around and tuck your tail and take your ball and go home because I didn't get my participation trophy? Come on. <laughs> Boy, Peter, that is, right. <laughs> that, is, that is the harshest description I have heard yet of what's going on with uh, Sanders supporters and, and Clinton, but, but I, I appreciate your calling and, and laying it out there. Uh, Representative Russell, I want to give you a chance to respond <laughs> to Peter. I know you're a Bernie supporter. There is this sense that uh, that the, the 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 Sanders supporters want more than they have earned. I, I I certainly hear that from Clinton supporters, and I think there is a, an implicit. Uh, suggestion in much of what the party says that look uh, getting a lot of votes but not getting enough doesn't really give you the the, the power to, to sort of uh, shift everything in your direction quite the way that Bernie Sanders supporters wanted to uh, how, how do you answer that well I think that those assumptions um, under a normal system would be uh, uh, I think those uh, comments would make sense under um, a normal system, but what we have seen uh, and what the DNC uh, leaks confirmed uh, is that the Sanders campaign was not necessarily given equal treatment, um, that the DNC was not being uh, neutral. And um, and so if you are working your heart out to win an election because you believe, not just in the message, but in what the policy deliverables are going to be, if your candidate gets elected, which is what democracy is about, um, you're doing it and understanding that you have a fair chance to win. And I think what you're hearing from people is that they didn't feel like they had a fair chance to win. And those DNC leaks are not helpful. My my name was in them, too. They did not say very nice things about my work um, wow. around the superdelegates. You know, I do think that leadership uh, took matters into their own hands and, and have recognized that that was a problem, uh, and that's why you're not seeing uh, W. Wasserman Schultz uh, lead the convention this weekend uh, or this week. However, you know, we have to move beyond that, and so I don't think it's helpful for, I don't like it when my side um, boos and I, uh, the other side, and I, I hate it, and I don't like it when uh, the other side, you know, condescends to our voters. I've heard, you know, I'm not a millennial. I'm what they call an Oregon Trail generation. Right. Uh, and and I'm not, and I've been a party a member of the party since I was 18. I've served in the legislature for eight years. 
Uh, I'm, I'm certainly not picking up my ball and going home, and I know that most Sanders supporters are not picking up their ball and going home. I think it's an unfair characterization. Um, and I think that the, the more we use divisive language like that, the less opportunity we have to make sure that people are encouraged to get out to vote uh, this fall. And I think when you hear people say uh, there's no difference, it's because they feel like their vote didn't count, and that's why that superdelegate fight is so important, and winning it was so important. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Maine State Representative Diane Russell. Uh, we are talking about changes to the Democratic National uh, Committee's rules that were affected yesterday that will change the role that superdelegates play in the future. Uh, Representative Russell was the, one of the people who uh, pushed really hard for this rule change, was one of the people who was very disappointed with the process this year in the Democratic primaries and caucuses. Uh, where superdelegates were able to uh, decide for themselves who they were going to support and not be bound by the will of voters. We're also talking just about the Democratic National Convention. Big night last night, Michelle Obama with a barn burner of a speech. Uh, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders coming out really strongly for Hillary Clinton. Uh, if If you were watching the speeches, if they have uh, affected you and in the way you're thinking about the election, made you change your mind, help you make up your mind, give us a call, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Representative Russell, before I let you go, I want to talk about the rest of the week. What, What kind of tone and tenor are you expecting to see from the convention? Is it, is it going to be less uh, rancorous? Is it, there going to be less dissension on the floor as, as more speakers come out, of course, uh, more formally uh, endorsing the idea of Hillary Clinton as the candidate? I hope so. I really do. Um, and I think the DNC is doing uh, what it needs to do, and I think the Clinton campaign is doing what it needs to do to really um, build relationships and trust with uh, progressives who are the ones that are going to come to the polls this fall and vote and the ones that are going to knock on doors. Uh, I do think it's absolutely imperative that the Clinton campaign make the best possible case to progressives to fire them up, and it's going to be a big challenge this week, but I think that she can accomplish it. Um, you know, I'm certainly not going to be uh, voting for Donald Trump by any stretch of the imagination, and I'm, you know, if uh, once we uh, Hillary officially has the nomination, I will be more than happy to knock on doors and do what it takes to get her elected, because Democrats at the end of the day are going to be the ones that overturn Citizens United. They're going to be the ones that protect people's right to uh, uh, to abortion, and they're going to certainly be the one that raise uh, people's wages. Uh, and those are the types of things that we need to make sure that we're moving forward, and that's why we need a Democrat in the White House. Yeah. Okay, Representative Diane Russell uh, from the state of Maine, thank you very much for being here in uh, on Detroit today. Uh, all right, up next, we're going to talk with Dolores Huerta, who is the founder of United Farm Workers, about how immigration and the Latino vote could influence the election in November. But stay with us on the phones, talking about the Democratic National Convention, the speakers we've seen so far, the speakers we might see later in the week. 313-577-1019 is the number. Stay with us on Detroit Today.